Yo, yo, check this out. Check this out. Previously heard. Previously heard. Good Hope FM. Let's go. Today we're talking about ADHD and uh, the lack of knowledge and funding, uh, which is major barriers to diagnosis. Joining us to shed more light on uh, some of the research that's been done is Head of Healthcare Leadership at Stellenbosch Business School and convener of the 4th Southern African Multidisciplinary ADHD Congress. Joining me on the line, Professor Renata Skuman. Welcome to Get Up FM. Good morning, Leanne. Good morning, listeners. So good to be able to speak to you, Prof. Let's quickly talk about some of the research with regards to uh, the situation with ADHD. Apparently, research shows that one in 20 children have ADHD. That is quite a large number. Is that not so? Yes, Leanne. It's one of the most common psychiatric disorders in children. Um, And we look at roughly 5%. doesn't matter in which country you conducted, which socioeconomic settings. Internationally, the studies and the meta-analysis shows 1 in 20. So that equals 5%. But we do know that as the brain develops and if children receive the necessary support, about 40% of them can outgrow it again. So in adulthood, the prevalence Mm. of ADHD is roughly 3%. You mentioned the word support because that was my next question. Is there enough support and resources available to assist parents with early diagnosis? No, definitely not. And I can say that categorically. You might find certain areas or certain parts of the population that might have easier access, but it's still a complete lack. If we look in terms of the healthcare budget in South Africa, which is on par with international, you know, like if we look at 13.8% of the GDP, but only 5% is allocated to mental health services and only 1% to children's mental health. And then we have a different problem, not only a monetary problem, but also a people problem. We do not have enough human resources. If we look in Southern Africa, we still get roughly 0.5, so half a psychiatrist per 100,000 of the population, where in Europe it's an average of nine per 100,000 of the population. So there's just not enough access points as well. And of those people that could potentially help with the the early um, diagnosis and support, we also have many, many professionals that's not adequately informed, and that include the healthcare professionals, but also educators. And what are the challenges that then face a child who then becomes an adult who did not have the support or any kind of resources to be able to deal with ADHD as a child? What we see is the complications of undetected and undiagnosed and untreated ADHD. It can start with things like a lack of, lack of educational attainment. We know that people usually have two years less of formal um, education then, but also comorbid conditions, anxiety, depression, poor self-esteem, substance abuse. And then as adults, they often have failure to strive um, and a perpetual failure in life. They just not perform up to the potential that they could. Frequent job changes, difficulties in relationships, financial problems. It's actually a myriad of problems which can really be prevented. I know a lot of people and one specific question coming through here is what are some of the symptoms of ADHD and is there a specific age when one starts noticing? So ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder, which means that if we really, really take a proper history and are very vigilant in terms of the early red flags that we can see, you can 
see symptoms of it already in very, very early childhood, early, early toddlerhood. We usually do not diagnose before school going age, but if the symptoms are very severe, we can diagnose and treat earlier. But often preschool, some of the symptoms can be observed and, uh, or, or absorbed, I want to say, in a supportive environment. It's only really when we then see a lot of behavioral issues as well, which is not always present, or interpersonal issues, social issues, where the children are diagnosed earlier. When we do diagnose, and we can diagnose, as I said, at any age, but obviously the younger you are, the more conservative we are in making the diagnosis, and we first need to exclude other conditions that can mimic ADHD, we look at the court triad of ADHD, so symptoms of inattentiveness, hyperactivity, and impulsivity. And together with that, we often see emotional dysregulation. And these symptoms need to be severe enough to create impairment, which can be academic or interpersonal or emotional. And it also needs to be pervasive across the lifespan and across various different areas of the individual's life. And if there's any parent right now who is listening to you and who maybe has seen some of of these characteristics within their own children, what is uh, the next step? What do they need to do? I think it's very important to speak to the teacher if the child is of school-going age and get collateral in terms of what happens at class because sometimes it also has to do with the environment, the type of symptoms you see. But also, if you are concerned, consult a professional that is well-versed in ADHD and other mental health disorders, either an educational psychologist or a psychiatrist. I do not think that a GP have always the time and the knowledge to do it, although we have GPs that do have additional training and workshops in ADHD. But it's important to get a professional opinion. This is not something that should be diagnosed by a check list that you've downloaded from the internet. Yeah. And then finally, Prof, are there uh, any myths associated with ADHD and how do we begin to break the stigma around it? There are many. I wrote an article a couple of years ago. If you Google, is ADHD a fairy tale, Renata Skuman, you will find it on my website, which addressed about eight or nine of the most common myths. I think the very first one, which is part of the stigma, is to say that ADHD is a lazy, naughty, or stupid child. And that's what people say. You know, and it, they also blame parents. You should just parent better. And I think yeah. that really contributes to the stigma, where we know that it's actually a neurodevelopmental disorder that can have a lot of implications. The second thing that we commonly get across is that um, medication is dangerous and medication is addictive. It's not true. Medication in a patient with ADHD is very, very effective and safe. It's huge judiciously yeah. and then secondly it actually decreased the the chance for substance use disorders in later life amazing finally prof is there any final words that you would like to just close off with when it comes to adhd creating more knowledge and awareness around it and also funding uh, which is of course a major barrier to diagnosis we have frequent interactions with medical carers. We're really, really working hard to try to get better funding through medical schemes, but also in the public sector. Um, but also if you want to read about ADHD, it's so important that you follow good resources. I can really recommend following the Goldilocks and the Bear Foundation's Facebook page where we will be able to share proper information, which is curated content, and also where we can recommend other resources. And that's also a free um, or NPO organization that can also help to deliver services in underprivileged communities.
Beautiful. That is such a fantastic resource. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Professor Renata Skuman. Always wonderful chatting to you. Thanks, Leanne. There we go. She's head of healthcare leadership at Stellenbosch University uh, Business School and the convener of the fourth Southern African Multidisciplinary ADHD Congress. Today we were looking at ADHD and the lack of knowledge and funding, which is a major barrier to diagnosis. If you would like to find out more, like uh, Prof said, you can actually go to the Goldilocks and the Bear Foundation, which was founded in 2017. Uh, it's a registered nonprofit and public benefit organization, which provides free ADHD and mental health screening and early intervention for children from underprivileged communities as well as ADHD training to teachers, healthcare workers and parents through improving mental health. The foundation aims to remove these barriers to education and in doing so improve the quality of life and opportunities for children in impoverished communities and also to develop resilient and resourceful children. For more, for more, tune in to goodhopfm.co.za. It's all you need.